looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Did you just hear that empty can in the background? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I heard something, but I didn't know that's what it was. Yep. That, what a way to start this episode. <laughs> just clink, 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 like Stanford and Son. That's what I'm dealing with. <laughs> um, hi. Welcome to Stitchcraft Podcast. This is episode number 26. This is Island. <laughs> and this is Miranda. <laughs> Um, and thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas or Happy Festivus or Yay Long Weekend or hopefully you don't work in retail or if you do, people buy you stuff. That's the holidays I'm going to get you to, you know, give to you guys today. So is Festivus is December 23rd, right? I thought it was, yeah, so it's today. Technically. Yeah, it is today. Happy Festivus. Ooh, Happy Festivus. Do we want to air some grievances? <laughs> it is the holiday time. It is the holiday time. And uh, I'm thinking. I have a good one. Oh, start it strong. Go. Uh, so as many of you have probably experienced when you travel home for the holidays, uh, the household is full of noises that you're not familiar with um, and that you're not used to sleeping through. So at my mom's house. The noise is the very large Siamese cat who wants food all hours of the night. And he's adorable and wonderful, but there is a reason that he was named Loudmouth, and it's because he just <laughs> shouts all the time. <laughs> and not only is it that and that, you know, that's troublesome in its own right, uh, I thought ahead and I brought earplugs and yeah, you know, those usually would help, except that, of course, last night when I went to put one of them in, I discovered that I had, like, a zit starting inside my ear. So it is super painful to put the earplug in. So I had to decide, is it worse to wear the earplug and try to get used to the discomfort or take the risk that I'm going to get woken up by the cat at 3 a.m.? And Merry Christmas. <laughs> what what poison did you choose? <laughs> I opted for the cat. Okay. The ear is very painful. <laughs> Sorry to be gross, but it hurts. Also, I always love these moments of reality when everyone's like, oh, yeah, body, we're human. So I yep. think it's totally okay with it. Um, Do you have a grievance to air? <laughs> I am my, – my grievance, my grievance, especially at the moment, it's not as fun as that one. Um, Oh, did that sound like fun to you? Because I did not think it was fun. Oh, we're giggling. We're giggling. We're giggling. Um, my grievance is with Patagonia. As the winter comes, as it's, you know, it's been a very mild uh, winter so far. Knock on wood. I just totally jinx this shit here in Minnesota. Um, it's felt more like Seattle for the last few weeks, almost like a whole month of, like, above freezing temperatures. So it's just been, like, kind of wet and foggy. It's super weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's finally snowed. Um, it snowed once before, but now it's like, oh, this is this dusting is going to stick this time kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, we were out, I think we, Chris and I were out shopping um, at thrift stores yesterday, and I saw a Patagonia hat, and I wanted to be like, oh, word, let's buy this used Patagonia hat, because they're all about reused, recycled, blah, 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 like buybacks, everything. And then it hit me again. I drunk wrote a long-winded, beautiful email uh, a good half a bottle of wine in uh, about their plus size situation. They refuse to make plus size clothing, and they have a blog entry that's over ten years old. This is how old their stamp is, and how much they have not updated it. Um, they have a ten year old stamp that says they do not make plus size clothing because it is not profitable for them. And Ooh. they then say many women love their men's clothing, and I was like. Ouch. Also, have you tried on men's clothing? Nothing looks sexier and cool. Like, already I hate winter coats. But nothing is cooler than having big, broad shoulders, floppy arms, and then tight zippers right around your hips. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a really good look. It's like one of those, you look like a character, like in a, 
like in a sumo wrestling costume. You know what I'm talking about? Like you flop all over the place and then weirdly tight in other places because the air shifts around. Except it's your body. It's awful. That is horrible. Yeah. So, you know, this is my grievance. Like everyone else has figured out how to make these plus size clothes or smaller size clothes. Like they're now coming up with really smart ways to make small sizes, petite sizes, um, mm-hmm. adaptable clothing for people with varying different uh, challenges. There's so many companies doing it that you can't tell me it's not profitable. And then on top of that, the average American, like woman, the average now is 16. It, it, when they wrote that article 10 years ago, the average size woman was a size 12. So mm-hmm. we're to gain in size, but we're also gaining in height. I'm not just saying yeah. all that, but we're actually just, like, getting bigger because our nutrition is better. Over so just time. on average, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brazilians are tall. Like, everyone's tall. Like, everyone's getting, like, kids are guaranteed to hit over 5'5", five five, it seems. Like, you have an 85% chance of being over 5'5". Five five. It's great. It's amazing. But the point is, clothing, you know, clothing has adapted to fit people's bodies over time now. Like, they've gotten there. But Patagonia, despite being super woke and amazing and progressive, still has this stance, which I think is kind of bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Take my money, Patagonia. Take my wine-drenched, drunken email money. (laughs) I'd love to respond, and I got fucking nothing. And I definitely waxed on about how much I love what they do. So, yeah, that's my fucking grievances. Because I didn't get a response, and I'm a little mad about it. I didn't Hmm. take no. (laughs) Just something. Right. Just acknowledge acknowledge the, the, the suggestion or the complaint. Yeah. So that's my differences. I don't care how woke your company is. Just, you know, maybe relook at some things. You know, just saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is, that is well, my difference. <laughs> moving, on to, moving on to happier things. What's in your cup? Okay. So I heard what you were having in your cup. So I'm trying to meet you in a quick manner. Mm-hmm. I'm having Sociable Spider Works, which is a local Minneapolis spidery. Um, I'm having the Fat Bike Mold Apple. So it's essentially like a spice cider in a can. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I had made the Target Lady voice, but I, I went with it. <laughs> anyway, it's in a can, and uh, it's tasty. And I don't normally like the cider. Come January 1st, I don't want to drink it. Season's over. I'm ready for other things. But whatever reason, whenever I see it this winter, I was like, oh, I want this. Like I had this romantic vision of it. So anyways, I'm having a, it's kind of like a tall boy. It's like a 16-ounce tall can, or one pint, if you will. I'm having that. And then Chris felt I really needed to get into the spirit because we're not driving anywhere by having a little sipper, a little chaser of um, Applejack brandy on the side in a jam jar. He thought that the jam jar was really important to fully bring out the experience of irresponsibility at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So um, here I am drinking apple things, and I'm really praying that I don't fall asleep. So that, that's, all, that's all I'm doing now. And you, what are you, what do you got in your cup? Um, I went to, so this is a, another sort of like uh, comedy of errors. Uh, <laughs> Mom asked me to pick up eggnog yogurt from Trader Joe's because here in Ann Arbor, so I'm in Ann Arbor for the holidays, here the Trader Joe's ran out of the eggnog yogurt. So she texted me this, and I looked at it, and all I saw was eggnog. Like, I didn't read the whole message. So I went to Trader Joe's, saw a bunch of eggnog, and I was like, dude, I got this. I'm such a good daughter. Yes. So okay. I <laughs> I bought um, two cartons of eggnog, and then I also bought a carton of almond nog. Um, just to see if there was a way to get eggnog in a way that would make everybody slightly less uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and, uh, of course, then I arrived here, and Mom was like, did you get it? I was like, yeah, I did. And then I showed it to her, and she's like, great, where's the yogurt? And I was like, what? <laughs> I just, like, completely skimmed over that word in her text message. Um, so, hooray, I bought her stuff that she did not ask for. Um, and... Then I decided just now for, you know, our podcast that I would give a try of the um, Almond Nog. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not everything can be a winner. 
is all I can say. Oh, God, everything's a winner. It's just a little mess. I don't know how to describe it better than that. Is it thin? Well, no, it's not. Um, Oh, thick. But does it feel... Does it feel like someone made almond milk a little heavy and then they just, like, threw some nutmeg on top? Well, I improved it by adding actual nutmeg on top. So I um, – right now it's good. Right now I would say that it's pretty good. Um, so I tried it just straight out of the carton, and I thought it was a little lackluster. Um, and there are a couple things that I, that I feel like make it kind of lackluster. Like the, the mouthfeel is just a little bit wrong for what I want from eggnog. Um, and I think it's because this is a, I think this is a vegan product. And so whatever they have to add to make it what you want is just not, you know, it's not the real thing. Um, ah. I could be wrong that it's vegan, but, you know, anyway, something about the mouthfeel is just a, a smidge off. It's not gross or anything. It's just like not quite right. And yeah. then um, they just did not add as much of any of the flavorings as I want. So I added cinnamon, and I, like, actually grated nutmeg over the top, and that really helped. Okay. Um, So pro tip, um, if anybody has ever tried to add nutmeg to something and you're using whatever is, like, the ground nutmeg from the store, don't play yourself. Get whole (laughs) nutmegs and grate them yourself. It sounds really stupid, but the difference in how it smells and how it tastes is remarkable. Um, so I put fresh nutmeg on top and that really helped. And then I added a little bit of rum and that helped. Um, what kind of and, rum? Oh, it's just like whatever mom had lying around. It's, uh, I think just like Bacardi white rum, you know, like I would have preferred like a Myers dark, but you know, right, right. I got what we got. Also, let's, I want to remind people if they don't know us, um, Remind people that know us and then tell people who don't know us that mom doesn't drink. So any alcohol she has lying around is literally for us and it's something that, or she's cooking with it. There's yeah, mostly if she's cooking with it. So the rum is specifically for pound cake. And absolutely. Like she would never buy, no one buys Bacardi 151 without, uh, a oh, she, this is not 151. It's not oh, 151. I, it's just regular. Yeah. God, it's still not something that everyone's like, oh, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm a dark rum person, and even then, I don't really play. I don't invite Captain Morgan to parties anymore. It's a while. <laughs> so, yeah, mom cooks with stuff. She rarely ever drinks it. You know, mom has, like, two drinks a year, maybe? <laughs> yeah, and they are both Baileys, and they are both at the end of a meal, Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's pretty much it. Can, but can I give a quick... Uh, memory of mom having uh drambuie over strawberries and you got a little tipsy in the afternoon by accident did i tell you about that <laughs> no mom i was like over 21 but i was home for like a weekend or something in college and mom's like oh do you want some fresh cut strawberries with some drambuie and i was like what she's like yeah we just pour it on top and add a little sugar i was like mom that sounds way too sweet and she's like just a little bit she got loaded <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a good addition to eggnog, for sure. Um, The other thing that I was going to say is that reminds me of a story myself um, where I – because I'm not somebody who – I don't cook a lot with alcohol, I suppose. I'm not – I don't have a lot of recipes that I make with alcohol. Um, And I am definitely not a person who's done a lot of, like, tailgating type stuff. You know, it's not my thing. But I definitely one time decided to make jello shots with friends. And I was like, how hard can it be? Like, people do this all the time. Like, it cannot be that difficult. So we all decided to get together and, and make these jello shots. 
And this is a room, like me, my roommate, and a friend of ours, all of us are medical students. So you'd think that we would have, like, thought through the process a little bit. <laughs> we were sitting in the house, uh, heating up the water to make the jello part, and then, you know, adding the vodka and then pouring it into the little molds to make the jello shots. Well, because we hadn't really thought about it very hard, we did not think about the fact that uh, you have to let the um, jello cool a bit before you add the vodka. And we were afraid to let it cool too much because we didn't want it to um, solidify before the alcohol got in there. Right. So what we were doing essentially was we'd boil everything, we'd mix all the jello stuff together, and then we'd let it cool until it wasn't boiling anymore, and then we would add the vodka. And what we didn't think about is that that is still hot enough to vaporize alcohol. And so basically we were like hot bossing ourselves with <laughs> shitty vodka. So like halfway through the process, we were just giggling and I was like, oh my God, Tor, you're so funny. Like you are so funny today. And after about 30 minutes of this, we were like, nobody actually got funnier. We were just drunk. Like we are accidentally getting drunk while we make jello shots. Awesome. awesome. I really proud of myself. I love that. I have never heard this situation happening with other jello shot makers. Nope. No, I don't. Nope. Nobody else has had this. <laughs> no, but I love that it was medical students who clearly have taken more courses on chemicals, on process, on, you know. Even physiology, on, all those things. All the things. And y'all were just like, you are so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's the most embarrassing part is I was like, you guys are so great. You're so funny. Yeah. I love that you said nicely. At least you weren't like an angry vaporized alcohol drunk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we thought that like the world was great and the party was going to be great and we were such great people. We were like doing this great thing for this party. Yeah, you know, we, yep, yep. Ooh, that happened. Fucking fantastic. I love it so much. <laughs> oh my. Oh, good time. So, guys. We're talking way beyond our cups. We're talking about kitchens and uh, <laughs> bold strawberries and our drunk mom. But by the way, she's not drunk, but just that one time. <laughs> just that one time. <laughs> just the one time by accident. Uh, I also, you know, sorry, little little side note. I was visiting with family last weekend and uh, heard some stories about Linda from, uh, you know, mom and, you know, dad's sisters, you know, her our mom's sisters-in-law had uh, some things. Some things I didn't know about Linda. So, um, good times. We'll share that another time, but it's a good time. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> also, some, of that, some of those family members listen to this podcast, so mm-hmm. I wasn't that drunk. I remember what you said. Um, but, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Um, all right. Well, I got to ask, what are you working on? I know you, and I know you too well, that you traveled with some pieces, didn't you? I did. I did. And... Unfortunately, I still can't say because I'm not done okay. and the gift exchange that I'm making things for um, is happening on, uh, what day, the 26th? The 26th. I can't, I don't know what day of the week that is, but it's not today. So, um, any hoodle, uh, I can't tell you about that, but I can tell everybody about what I'm making for you because you already know because you asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's that's appropriate. Um, so uh, when we last were hanging out together in Minneapolis, um, you and I had gone to Knit and Bolt, and we talked about um, it was a couple episodes. We talked a couple episodes ago. Um, we talked about the um, fabric that we bought there that we really loved, and it was a really it's, you know it's a great shop. So after the visit, I think. You had gone – while we were there, you had seen that they had some sample mittens knit up, and you tried them on, and you're like, ooh, those are really good. I wonder if I could make those for myself. Um, but we didn't buy any yarn at that point. And then um, we had talked about my making you something for Christmas. We talked about, you know, options. And then sometime later, you went back to the store and decided that you really did want those mittens. Um, and so I'm actually looking at the pattern right now so that I say the the pattern name correctly. But they basically had a 
a sample in the shop uh, that you tried on. Um, yeah. So they are very simple mittens. So they are called um, quick bulky mitten. <laughs> I mean, that is what it is. It's a quick bulky mitten. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. Um, and the designer is Amy um, Pelletier or Pelletier. I just said that last name twice in the exact same way. <laughs> I like it so much. Is it get better? Is it going to get better? No. <laughs> no. You learn? You learn? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the mittens are, um, just like they say, these very simple, plain mittens in a stockinette stitch. So they have a probably, I don't know, one and a half, two-inch cuff that's ribbed so that it um, hugs your wrist, and then a very plain and simple um, straight mitten with a rounded top, and then a plain thumb. Uh, but they are made in Malabrigo Rasta, and it's a, a single-ply yarn, meaning it's just like a single thread of yarn, but it's very, very thick. Um, I think in some instances it's sometimes called pencil roving because um, – it is as thick as a pencil, um, mm. and it is not um, spun up to have a lot of strength. Um, it's just the the yarn, um, the wool fibers are combed together, so they're all kind of going in the same direction. So there, it's you know it's got some smoothness to it, um, and then it's just a little bit felted to, to hold it together. You know, so it doesn't just like fall apart. Um, yeah. I also feel like the yarn fibers are pretty – how do I put this? Um, I feel like the yarn fibers are all very consistent, and they stick to each other very well, so it remains super soft. So it doesn't feel, like, wiry or blended or weird. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. – it's all very consistent in its texture. So even though it's not spun really hard, it has a lot of uh, consistency and smoothness. Yeah, so this particular, I think that probably has to do with like the grade of wool that they choose to make into this particular yarn. So, um, I don't know enough about it to really give you guys a lot of detail, but basically, <clears throat> you can imagine that from varying different parts of the animal or from different specific animals, there's going to be, like with humans, some variation in the type of fiber that they make. So some of the fibers are going to be thicker, some are going to be thinner. Some are going to be longer, some shorter. And so um, how soft the yarn is usually has to do, and how itchy it is, has to do with um, the thickness of the fibers that they include. And I think they're graded, like fine, super fine, extra fine. Like they have names for the the thicknesses. Um, and so if you get something that is, um, you know, a 20 micron count, it's going to be thinner and finer than something that is like 22 microns because it's, you know, one of them is two microns thicker than the other. And that thickness makes it slightly less soft um, and slightly more pokey probably. Um, but this particular yarn, I think they probably choose something that is soft and the, the wool itself is merino wool, which is bred to be soft. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, even though they have it smoothed out. So this is not super wash yarn, so it will felt. Like, if you put it in the washer and dryer, it will shrink. It will make felt. Um, right. But it is, uh, huh? <laughs> There's special handling, careful handling. <laughs> yeah, just as if you were, you know, regular wool sweater. Um, but uh, because they haven't spun it really tight, it traps a lot of air, and that's what helps keep it, both fluffy and lightweight, but also very warm because it's trapping air in there. So I really, when I saw that pattern and I got to try on that mitten in the Rasta yarn, um, just the bulky yarn in general, I had not experienced in a knit good because the majority of the stuff that you've made me or other people have made me have been like worsted weight or smaller. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is like the first time I could, I the moment I put those mittens on, I could. I could sense the void of air. And I was like, oh, word, this is going to be so great when I'm walking the dog or I'm waiting at the bus stop. Like, you know, for Minnesota, for this kind of climate, it was 
I immediately was like, I need this. I need a hat in this. I need a scarf in this. I need a, you know, like I need, it was like, I must outfit myself in this bulky yarn and in this, you know, style of mittens immediately. <laughs> so I'm so thankful that you're making it for me. Thank you so much, Island. You're so good to me. Yeah, and I would say, you know, this this podcast is going to go live tonight. If any of you crafters out there um, don't have a gift for somebody and you only have, like, four hours to make something, five hours to make something, you can finish these. They are super fast. Um, the pro tip that I will give you about it, though, is that um, if you are – like, when you're knitting them, make sure that uh, – you knit from the outside of the skein and not the inside of the skein. The reason I say this is that, you know, I typically knit from the inside of the skein, and I neglected to think about the fact that when you do that, you're, you've got a, a disc of yarn, right? So it's got um, – it's in a spiral. If you pull something straight up from that spiral, straight up from the center, you're adding more twist. So you're compressing it a bit more. So then when you knit it, wait for it. When you knit it, um, it comes out a certain size. Well, then I, the second mitten, I tried to knit without rewinding it. So I just picked up from where I left off, which was further out in the skein. So when I pulled up, it didn't add as much twist. And because it didn't add as much twist, the yarn didn't condense as much which meant that there wasn't as much yarn actually going into the mitten. So the second mitten came out smaller, even though I did everything identically. Because that extra twist then relaxed in the mitten, the first mitten. The extra twist made me use more yarn in the first mitten. So when I was done with it, it relaxed a little bit, and it was a certain size. The second mitten knit exactly the same way, but without extra twist added, came out too small. So if I had done everything knitting from the outside where you're adding less twist to it, it might have worked out better. Or do what I did the second time around, which is that I, I you know, I made my first mitten. I made the second one. I was like, oh, no, this is not going to work. I un, I frogged the whole thing, rewound the yarn, and started from the center again so that the second mitten would be the same size as the first mitten. Wow. I'm I'm honestly like – it could be the Applejack brand working on me, but I am like <laughs> blown away by like how these small little variables, you know, add up to the whole changing, you know, like. Yeah, I, I was too. It took me, it took me like um, a day and a half to figure out what the problem was. Cause I thought for sure that it must've been because I had counted something incorrectly or I had, I had somehow made a mistake. And I went back, and of course, because these yarn, these mittens are really bulky yarn, you can count the rows really easily. So I could tell that I had done everything theoretically the exact same way. But Wild. that gauge I, was very different. Well, and the cool thing about this is that if this was like a sweater or a large piece of some kind, how amazingly frustrating would it be? But it's a mitten. And it's a bulky mitten that gets done in four hours. So you can kind of problem solve right away. And what a learning. What a learning. I think this also is interesting because there's so much hype around big, bulky yarns right now. And they're just getting, no no pun intended, bigger and bigger. Uh, <laughs> trend is, like, getting bigger. And we, you know, when you and I were at Vogue Knitting Live, we saw, like, kind of like a peek into the future of what's going to be cool. We saw all these bulky yarn sweaters and um, big chunky stitches and all this like exaggeration. I think more than ever, the awareness of our tension is really important. So thank you for sharing with that. That 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 is like blew my mind. No joke, blew my mind. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not, at the time that I discovered that the second mitten was like a different size than this first mitten. I didn't think it was that cool, but yeah, it it was a good learning point. But you know what I love? I love when people have uh, lessons for all of us. We can all learn from yeah. our mistakes so that we do not repeat them. So thank exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly. So that's um, for, like, legit knitters. Those who can do things fast can watch, you know, two Harry Potter movies and finish the job. That's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, I don't even think these these ends would take two Harry Potter movies, but that depends on whether or not you're starting from movie one or movie six, because they get longer <laughs> as you go. <laughs> well, well said, well said. Uh, what else you got going? Uh, and then the other thing, um, I looked over some of the hat patterns that you sent, since it turns out, as another thing that you guys should know, um, Malabrigo Rasta, one skein of the Rasta will make a pair of those mittens, and you'll still have a little bit left over that you can use to, like, tie the package um, and use it as, like, the ribbon or um, <clears throat> if you want to make the cuff a little bit longer or, you know, whatever modifications you need to make. One skein is plenty. So that basically makes it, like, a $22 um, gift, which is cool. Um, but you had bought two skeins and asked for a coordinating hat. So the hat that I will make is the um, – Quick Slouchy Brioche Beret, um, which is by Verdigree Knit. Um, and we'll link all of this in the show notes. <clears throat> but um, basically this is a pattern that is, again, does what it says on the tin. It's a brioche hat, meaning that um, it's a little bit different than just plain stockinette. So it kind of looks like a, a rib, but what it does is it um, – Brioche stitch is a three-dimensional stitch that adds a lot of um, warmth, basically, and um, textural interest without necessarily adding a huge amount of bulk to something. Um, But basically, uh, you are knitting something that in the end looks like it was ribbed, but it doesn't have the elasticity of ribs. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you have to kind of, like, see it to know what I'm talking about, but it's sort of classically used in, um, I want to say, like, Scandinavian sweaters. Some there are, there are brioche patterns there. Yeah. Um, not the not the Fair Isle color work style. That's uh, stockinette stitch. But, yeah, you will have seen, like, once you see brioche stitch in person, um, you will know what I'm talking about. But uh, the pattern that you asked for is a slouchy beret. So that yeah. is what I'll be making next. That I can talk about. So I'm in the I'm in the middle of making stuff right at this moment that I cannot talk mm-hmm. about. Thank you for the moment. Um, yes. Cat talk. Cat talk. Real talk. Um, that's excellent. Um, what about you? What are you making? All right. Well, so I'm kind of doing a couple things right now. First, I am making. Um, we call them bento bags. You and I have been referring to them as bento bags, but then I've also realized that there's actually like different terms for them, and I can. Oh. Come up with that. I will. I will post that in um, our notes. But um, basically, I'm doing that. I don't think many of my coworkers actually, um, because they have so many kids and other things going on this weekend. Like all of my coworkers are very involved. So even though there are subscribers to our podcast, I don't know if it's gonna get to them before I actually drop them off at their desk. But I'm making them so bad for coworkers. Um, and I'm using a denim scrap because we have a lot of denim shirting in the mix. Um, and I'm also, I've grabbed a couple like knit, you know, strike, we call them strike offs, but they're prints to double check the print, the color, the technique, everything like that. Those things have been, you know, discarded um, as of a year, you know, like my, the company that I work for is really particular about the uh, proprietary proprietary nature of what we do. So I don't get my hands on these things until they're a year old kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I am kind of making some bento bags out of scraps. And my goal for this, my hope, is that people use those when gathering their their vegetables and fruit at the store because I feel like the plastic bags in which we purchase our fruit and vegetables in drive me bananas. They are mm-hmm. nice for poop bags, I Swear to God, they get holes too fast. Um, one pokey, you know, leaf from a tomato, they're ruined. You can't even use them to, like, you know, pick up a dog poop with. Um, right. Unless you're really one with nature. But most people aren't. So I'm just, uh, my hope is that people can use these as good to, like, kind of separate their things so they don't get too, you know, discombobulated. But my hope is that people will be able to use these for either, like, lunch, you know, lunch separation or a lunch bag or to bring them, you know, to stores to, like, grab their produce or farmer's markets, you know. That's my goal. Um, basically, I'm just trying to, like, 
repurpose what I have. So I'm in the process of making a bunch of those, um, which is exciting and interesting because I'm trying to figure out my style with this woven denim fabric or with a knit product because those involve different presser feet depending on uh, – I see presser feet, presser foot. You know, you use a walking foot for knit, but if you're quilting things, you could also use a walking foot. But if you're not doing something that's quilted or soft or knitted and stretches, you would use a regular foot. So I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between what I'm doing. Um, but it's interesting. So I'm going through the process. I have one more prototype to make before I go gung-ho. I'm one of those people who makes many prototypes, and then I start my machine shop. I start my my product line, you know what I mean? My, um, all of my options, I need to go through them and double check how they look, how they work, how they function. And then I will make a bazillion of something. That's kind of my jam. So, um, I love the problem solving in the, in the process. So I'm doing that right now. Um, that sounds awesome. That sounds like really good gifts. I'm, I'm into it because I, I love useful gifts. There's definitely a time and a place always for meaningful, thoughtful gifts that speak to somebody. But when it comes to larger groups of people that I want to um, experience something together or have an idea together, or some, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think of Valentine's Day and Christmas as an opportunity for me to share an idea more than a thoughtful gift. Does that make sense? So I, I'd love to, like, be able to share maybe a problem solve for somebody or maybe even if they don't want to keep what I've made, they could pass it to somebody else or they know that this exists. Like, there's there's kind of a, you know, whenever you create an idea, it gets up and walks away from you. It gets legs. It, it moves on. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big part of creating is that your ideas will take form and they will move on without you and they will – take the story and build onto that more than anybody else can ever imagine, right? So we have to be careful in what we create, but also it's really good to be reckless in what we make because you never know what might happen. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> sure. So that's, that's one of the things I think that draws people into making things is who knows what might happen, what might you learn, and what might you share, and, you know, there's things like that that I love. And sometimes yeah. these ideas you make uh, – matter to people in the moment and other times those things that we make matter to people much later in life when they look back on something and that they took for granted or not took for granted is such a tough word but something that they didn't think was that important becomes important later and I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how people work and move with those things and I am more than fine if people receive the things that I make and treat them however they'd like. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. really interesting thing. You know, I, I like the, um, the, the humanity that comes with giving gifts, right? So, anyways, I'm in the process of making those bags. And then the other thing I'm doing right now is also very rooted in humanity. I am doing one-card reads for um, anyone who asks. So, I know that, you know, our podcast has a audience that is beyond me and my little circle. So people are more than welcome to ask for a card, but I'm having a really amazing time. Like within 24 hours, 41 people have asked for one card reads. I'm currently going through this deck called uh it's the writer weight tarot, which is really common, but it's the largest deck I've ever had in my life. It is. I bought the big boss it version. It is five <laughs> inches by like, five inches by four inch, uh, five by three or something. It's just unmanageable. And I have big ass hands and even I can't shuffle this kind of thing. Um, but that's been a really interesting um, break in my day. I've been kind of like mixing my day up with sewing, mixing my day up with cooking. And then I will do like a couple reads here and there just to, you know, yeah, just have a little bit of, you know, variance in my life. But um, it's been really great. had a lot of great responses to this deck because it's so big, it kind of screams. It's kind of like, what? This is your information. Listen. And um, it just makes people think, you know. But I've had a lot of requests for it. So it's been it's been really rewarding, you know, passing on what I pull for people. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I got in work right now. And then, oh, last thing, I really do need to start the scarf, in which 
matches the yarn that you are doing the hat. Ah, yes. <laughs> yours, yeah. It's a coordinating yarn. It is a coordinating yarn. It is not Rasta. I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Um, but it has a netting over the bulky yarn. So in some ways, it is a variable yarn. It's the same weight, same like you need to use the same size needles to work with it. Um, not same size needles, but the same range of needle size. It's still considered a bulky yarn, but it's variable. So it's not one thick yarn. It is, you know, thick and thin, thick and thin. So you have to think a little bit different about how you approach the scarf or the or any kind of stitch that you want to go into the scarf. Um, but, yeah, I'll admit, <laughs> I have not started that despite having your needles now for over a month. That's right. My sister gave me needles. Connected uh, circular needles that are really beautiful, made of driftwood, and they are sitting in a zip bag. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, that is what I'm dealing with. But, you know, it has not been cold enough to hurry me up until today. Until today. Ah. No, on the ground, I'm like, oh, shit, I need this. You know what I mean? Like, I kind yeah. of have a little fire under my ass, or maybe snow under my ass to really make this happen. <laughs> well, you may also have need, needed some free time, right? Because, like, I don't know about you, but it seems like work is always, you know, piling on the extra stuff right before the holidays. They're like, oh, I know everybody's going to be, you know, everybody wants to take the time off during the holidays. So it's as if they, like, increase the workload in the last month to get as much out of you as possible just prior to the holiday starting? I don't know. <laughs> There's so many decisions that have to be made right before Christmas. Yet, despite what we know, you know, every year, it's not like a lunar calendar. Christmas falls on the same day every year. <laughs> For whatever reason, people forget, and then they're trekking towards this day, and everyone makes decisions now. And I'm like, it's not a lunar calendar. Like, we could have planned this even without that knowledge. We could have done something a little different, but here we are. It's pretty funny. But, yeah, you're right. Downtime really is the necessity in order to – That's the missing piece, yeah. yeah. It's it's a part of the goal. So um, I kind of appreciate the downtime. I absolutely do. I, I haven't really taken a whole lot of time off from work, but it's that moment in time where everyone else has taken time off of work, so it's going to be a lot more chill. <laughs> for like the rest of the week. I can get things done in a more timely manner. And so maybe I'll be able to head home a little sooner to get my projects done. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, those are that's what I got into work. I feel like you and I got our – literally our hands full. Yes. Physically. Quite literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you want to kick it off with some gold stars? I do. I do. Um, so my gold star – is um, sort of, I guess, thematically appropriate because there is a special holiday um, item that has been released to coordinate with this Gold Star, and that is my Gold Star is going to the Tiny Chef. Um, I don't know if anybody – if you have you seen the Tiny Chef, Miranda? Um, I shared it with you. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't remember that. No, because you shared it with me, I think, the same time as another friend of mine shared it with me. So oh. I apologize <laughs> for not remembering who to give credit to. You love how defensive I just got there? I was like, um. I You're like, uh. <laughs> you should be thanking me. Um, But also, let's just get to the point about Tiny Chef, though, because. Because how did we not give the tiny chef a gold star prior to this, honestly? Right? Um, He's been pregnant yeah. prior to holiday season. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but, yeah, it is thematically appropriate because uh, Tiny Chef just released a mishmash album um, for the holidays that is only available until December 26th. So for anybody who uh, has not been um, – a fan of the Tiny Chef until now. You will be once you see this. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, the Tiny Chef is a uh, stop-motion animation um, by a woman named Rachel Larson, who um, actually worked on a lot of stop-motion for a long time. So just looking at her bio on the website, um, she actually worked on Robot Chicken, Tara Norman, Coraline, and Isle of Dogs. 
So she's been doing nope. this for a while. Um, and so perfect. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like impossibly cute and wonderful and endearing. So the tiny chef is like what he sounds like. He's a little, um, you know, animated guy. Um, he isn't an animal or a human or anything. He's just a little green guy. Um, who is a vegan chef. Yeah. What? He's a humanoid, a green guy. Like, we're given the idea that he's kind of humanist, but he is green, which is interesting. Sorry, Adzi, you were just getting to that point. Yeah. So he is a a little vegan chef um, who currently lives in New Zealand, and um, he cooks little tiny foods, and he sings while cooking the little tiny foods. Um, and it is just ridiculously adorable. So um, he has done videos where he made um, he made a basil pasta while singing um, "Royals" by Lord. Um, oh. And he has also made a raspberry pie while singing "Islands in the Stream." Um, and it's just like so cute. So um, for the holidays, because he does not. Um, he does not enunciate very well. Um, instead of having a Christmas album, he has a Mishmash album. And <laughs> the Mishmash album is just called the Tiny Chef Mishmash album. And if you buy it, it's like five bucks. Um, the money goes toward the farm sanctuary specifically to support a cow that they have at the farm sanctuary called Sweet Pea. Um, so there are videos that have been released of the tiny chef watching videos of Sweet Pea while, you know, she eats her hay and stuff like that. And it's just, like, everything about it is just freaking adorable. Um, and it's, like, it's impossible to be in a bad mood when a tiny chef video has been released. Um, so I feel like there have been a lot of days where I was, like, cranky or, you know, just feeling rotten in one way or another and then I watched a tiny chef video and I was like that's so cute um and so bright and like I don't know imaginative and and sweet um so yeah that I I the the craft of it like if you just watch the craft of it is just amazing that um I don't know if Rachel Larson is the only artist doing the actual um assembling of the tiny foods, but whoever it is that's doing that assembly is gorgeous. Like it is it is just impeccable and it's it's just kind of hard to imagine how it's done. But she does have some videos on their Instagram feed uh where they sh- where she shows how they make, you know, like a tiny reclining chair for the chef or a tiny table for the chef or like a tiny burger or something. So um you know, you can get to eat it, just, and it's, it's kind of mesmerizing to watch a human-sized hand make these exceedingly fine little things. Um, so the craft work is super cool, um, and then of course the content is just heartwarming and lovely. So that's my gold star. I have to add a little bit of uh, magic to this. There is something amazing about big human hands making something that is so tiny so transportable by the internet and then touches so many and it really does change people's perspective about you know a season that can be really emotional and kind of shitty for a lot of people when you see this like this one character enjoying themselves doing something that is not particularly like that amazing like cooking things or singing a song those things aren't that amazing, but it is really interesting to watch this tiny character live this life. And I I just find that it transcends what our expectations are for a holiday season. And it does transcend, like, I mean, we've you and I have been following the tiny chef for a while, but, like, it transcends even the holiday season, and it transcends, like, what we want to see on a daily basis. It's really, like, a highlight of my week whenever Tiny Chef releases anything. I'm Mm -hmm. so, because it's also on the pulse of the the musical taste we like, the food we like, the the visuals that we all like. And um, 
you know, where Wallace and Gromit let off, I feel like this is where the Tidy Chef comes in. Does that make sense? Yes, I think I think that is a very good um, analogy. I do. And I do feel, like, in my heart, I feel Tiny Chef is going to take off this year. I feel like it yeah. speaks to beyond volumes of, like, oh, this is the, the vegan world likes us. I, don't, I think it's beyond that. It's so cute and so mm-hmm. um, innocent. I don't know how else to describe it, but it just it just feels really good and it appeals to so many. Um, and I know that some people want to, like, hate on vegan shit, but stop. It's still delicious. And, like, my favorite part is, like, during Islands of the Stream, Tiny Chef licks the spoon. Yeah, and I still think about it every time I lick a spoon. God dang it! It just feels like I very much identify with Tiny Chef on this. Um, yes, I'm I'm really really thrilled that they made the platform of Tiny Chef to also include some fundraising, some excitement. But Tiny Chef is like blown up. I'm so happy about it. I think that is an excellent gold star. Thank you, Anne. Yeah. yeah. How about you? All right, my gold star is going to go to a little bit more of a local situation. Um, a friend of mine has a sauna, and I feel like I need to also say, like, it correctly. Is it sauna? I think it's sauna. I, now I thought it was sauna, but what do I know? No, you're right. It's sauna. sauna. Oh, now I just made that way too wrong. That's wrong. So wrong. <laughs> anyway, it's like, it's not that. It's this. Anyway, a friend of mine has a sauna, and they – they built it. They also had saunas in all of their family homes because they're from Minnesota. They're also like their families from Scandinavia, and that's just how they roll. I've never done sauna. I've never done sauna. Sorry, uh, I'm gonna die trying to figure out how to say it right. But <laughs> you know, you, Island, you and I have done a lot of things that are very Scandinavian that is beyond our family roots. You know, like we've cross country skied and we've done lots of meals and foods that are different than our own background but like sauna was not one of them that's not something I ever sat in and was like this is life changing because as a child nothing feels worse than being hot um, but <laughs> oh, I got to go to a friend's house last night for like their kind of annual party and I got to experience sauna and I got to experience like the whole jam, like I did it three different sessions uh, within that same like evening, and it really does make you feel alive. It makes you feel great, and I get it. Like pushing your body to extremes, like it's the easiest way to push your body to extremes. Like you can totally run a lot. You can play sports. You can push your boundaries in so many different ways. But this is just like a temperature thing. It really is a great reminder of all the things you can experience as a person in one evening. And it's better than drinking. It's better than, uh, I say better than drinking, but like, you know, holiday parties, people are drinking, people are eating things. But it's, this is one of those activities you can't drink, you can't eat, you can't do a whole lot of other things other than sitting there in the heat and feeling yourself and feeling your body be permeated by heat. And um, I found that really interesting. It's like the hottest thing you've ever felt. It was 185 degrees at the time when I looked at the uh, thermostat. Mm-hmm. It got ever been that hot in my life. It's it's not Bikram yoga. It's not, <laughs> it's not New Orleans or Hong Kong. I was just like, what is this? But um, I'm so appreciative of the matter because it brings people together because you do it together. You can mm-hmm. do it alone. I like that it brought us together, and I also just really appreciate that there was a um, an opportunity to do it. And a, a good friend of mine, Lisa, her husband Clint built this sauna in her garage. Which wow. one? Let's talk about this. They live in Minnesota, and they didn't want to use their garage for their cars, so they wanted like dust them off every day. Like bless you, bless you for choosing this choice. Um, the sauna was more important, and so the sauna. It's been built, and it could fit, like, five to six people, depending on the time and the day and, you know, how they all are. But he also piped in music. So, like, we got to choose whatever we wanted to listen to. And so originally I was listening to King Kong 
uh, King Kong and uh, the barbecue show because um, I was just feeling like, you know, some fun stuff. And then a friend of mine who I was hanging out with in the sauna was like, no, let's listen to Juan. You know, we really wanted to listen to Juan. Clint couldn't find that. But instead, he was like, Lee the Ford, that's what you get. And so we literally, like, <laughs> for the last, like, you know, 15 minutes of the sauna, it was Lee the Ford, Close My Eyes Forever with Ozzy Osbourne. And then uh, he kissed me deadly. Is it deadly? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, I I'm so embarrassed if I, like, got this all wrong. But anyway, the point was that we got to really enjoy some Lee the Ford for the last, like, 15 minutes of sauna. Just like left, and it was just delightful and funny because, like, I definitely love a hot tub. I love all that personal hot experience, like good times, like whether it's a um, a hot spring or a jacuzzi or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying sauna the same way, you know. And uh, it gave me some like northern ass goals. If I ever buy a house, <laughs> something. I'm doing something with it. I'm not there yet. I'm a I'm a child in comparison to a lot of my friends who have, like, bought houses and, like, started their lives and had children and everything like that. I'm living in a different area. But um, it just – it was a really great night. And it didn't involve having a drink or having to smoke or having a whatever. It was just us listening to music in a really hot environment. It just pushes your boundaries. And I just – I love that. It was really cool. That's cool. It sounds really cozy on a day when um – you know, it doesn't feel like that outside. So, not at all. Yeah, and I love that there's like we kind of triumph over nature with the sauna. Like there's a moment like <laughs> to do, or cross country ski or walk or do whatever, and then come inside and burn your ass up with the sauna. Let's <laughs> just see the Ford because nothing is better than like hanging out with a bunch of friends screaming. <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> so that's where my gold uh. star goes. Yeah, I'll have to try to see if I can find I know that there are, you know, they, they exist outside of Minnesota, but they're not quite as easy to find as they are. Like, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I feel like there are public places you can go for sauna. And I think outside of that, other it ends up being, like, gyms. And I don't necessarily want to go to the sauna in the gym. It is not the same vibe at all. <laughs> well, and so. I gotta tell you, like, I was talking to Clint last night, and Clint built this sauna along with, like, all of his family saunas they built into their farmhouse, into their cabin, into this house. And he was like, you know what? People go to gyms and they experience saunas, and it's nasty. It's not hot enough. And then when they leave, it's still hot inside the gym. Like, you're supposed to go hot, cold. You're supposed to feel mm-hmm. And he's like, you need to dive in the snow. You need to jump in a barrel of rainwater. Like, you got to do some things that make your body feel extreme. And that's how you feel alive. And so he was just like, you got to build it or you got to know somebody. But it's a very interesting community situation when you get to know people. And there's ways that you can build them outside. Like uh, there's a barrel kit you can buy and put on your property. You can go find some folks that happen to have a sauna in their home. But um, I'm a fan of the saunas that are more than two people. Like a lot of like – I feel like where you and I are from up in northern Wisconsin, there's a lot of people with saunas in their home that are fitting for two people. Right, but yeah, there's here in Minnesota. I've noticed more people are like it's a communal situation. So like a communal community situation where there's like four spaces. You know, it's a little different. It's absolutely different because had I grown up with this, maybe I'd feel different. But Wisconsin's a little bit more singular, and Minnesota yeah. seems a little bit more like this is a communal activity. You know, it's just kind of different. Yeah, well, that's cool. It is. It is. So that's where my gold star goes. I had a life-changing moment. And I say life-changing <laughs> as it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to put my money towards different things. But I definitely was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I will always take this opportunity now. It, you know, it's great to feel extreme. It really is. All right. Shall we wrap this up? We shall. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to see our show notes, they will be at stitchcraftsisters.com. You can also find us on Instagram, which is where we are usually the most active, although I have been letting it slide because I had work travel in December and also I'm knitting things that I can't show people. Um, but, you know, 
we are on Instagram, and you can find us there at Stitchcraft Sisters. Um, and you can download the podcast from our website or from iTunes. Um, yeah, and, you know, if you want to get our numbers up in terms of people hearing us, the best way to do that is either to um, like us on Instagram or go to iTunes and leave a review. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, we hope that you guys all have a wonderful, restful you know, regrouping of the holiday season. And if not, um, hopefully you have a friend that you can share some drinks with while you complain about your family. Or, you know, find a sauna, get a massage. Yeah. It just feels different. That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you guys so much. It's been an incredible year. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Take care. Over and out. (laughs) Bye.